I'm not a book sit down and read and lecture and listen and do that. I can't. I have to put my hands on and build. And even if it's math in the accounting side of things, I'm still applying it. And so I want the students to be able to do that. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So welcome to today's episode of Learning Unbox. I'm very, very excited to have with me our special guests, Dr. Andy Bruning and Tyler Hertenstein of Metro Early College High School. Uh, Dr. Bruning is with the PASS Foundation, and we're excited to have um, both of these fellows in to talk with us today about robotics education in particular and design and engineering and the role of design thinking and engineering in education today, in particular, the success that these um, guys have seen in integrating robotics broadly into what is happening with teaching and learning in their classrooms and their after-school clubs, um, and the different things that can happen when we get really creative with those opportunities. So, welcome to both of you. Welcome. Thank Hello. you. So glad to have you guys here. So a little bit of background and context, just because it's sort of the fun stuff. I've known um, Andy, or Dr. B, as the students so affectionately call him, for, oh man, the better part 10, 12 years 10, 12 now. Years, 12, 12 it's been years, a long yeah. time. And so we first um, had the privilege of meeting Andy um, when um, the various teams and organizations that came together to start Metro Early College High School. And Andy um, is the first science teacher and engineer teacher um, at that school. And so really... Um, on the cutting edge of thinking about doing some of these things very differently. And over the years, um, we found that Andy had a, a natural leaning, I guess, if you will, to very applied teaching and learning um, experiences, very hands-on with students. And so we've sent Andy um, to sea. Um, we've sent him to the Everglades. We've sent him to the desert, I believe. You know, all kinds of crazy places over the years. And so uh, that's some of the passion that he brings. A few years ago, uh, PASS Foundation actually snagged Dr. B up, and he is now director of bridge programs, all student programs at the PASS Foundation. So we're excited to have Andy. And joining him um, is Tyler Hertenstein. And Tyler is an engineering teacher at Metro Early College High School. And actually, uh, Tyler uh, was part of the transition um, when Dr. B uh, formerly left uh, Metro Early College and designed Learning Lab um, and has come in to make that program his own. Um, and so one of the things that I love um, about Tyler in particular is he talking about that he's a teacher by trade but an engineer at heart. And I think that really gets to the power of this team that you guys have created in terms of the teaching and learning that you do. So we're going to jump right in and talk about, in particular, First Robotics. So, Andy, you've been around First Robotics for a number of years, mm -hmm. started the original MetroBot team, mm -hmm. and that program itself, not the Metro program, but broadly first, um, has evolved um, as it's matured, um, the a product of Dean Kamen and all the amazing sort of innovations that come about. So, talk to us a little bit about why should a school invest? Why robotics teams? Not just a club, but, I mean, the full potential of FIRST is pretty stunning, but you have to really go 
all in. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So first, it, it's, a, it's an amazing program. This is my 10th year uh, coaching the MetroBots. Uh, we have as the, the first of a program that uh, will encompass as many things as first does. So for FRC, first robotics competition, we, our team, we break our team down into, uh, for example, uh, two sides of the team. We have a, a, a business administration side, and then we have the engineering side. And within that, we can bring in so many different content areas. We can bring in so many ways that the students can get engaged. We have a number of students that are not even in, interested in building or touching a robot. So the fact that we have kids come in and they're our fundraising manager, or they're going to be our finance manager, and they'll go through and help keep track of those sides of things. We're then on the other side, engineering project manager and making sure that the robot is built. And this is, as you said, I love applied learning. And I, I know that for myself, I wish I'd had these types of programs. I'm not a book, sit down and read and lecture and listen and do that. I can't, I have to put my hands on and build. And even if it's math in the accounting side of things, I'm still applying it. And so I want the students to be able to do that. And first is and robotics programs are like that are, are amazing for that. So whether it's first or any other, you yeah. definitely advocate yes. for robotics programs. Absolutely. So Tyler, you know, um, what, eight years into this team existing, you come onto the scene. There's transitions that are happening both at the school um, with, with new programs evolving into an existing school. Um, um, there's also some transitions in personnel with Dr. B moving over to the PASS Foundation. So what what interests you the most about picking up and joining and being in that space? You're a new teacher. Um, right. When you arrived here, you were you were fresh. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I'm in my fourth year of teaching, or my third at Metro overall. Um, and it's it's interesting. The biggest thing, and the, I think the biggest drive that's helped the most is the students themselves. Um, we have a very strong senior class and juniors that, and there are a lot of independent leaders that have really been able to handle a lot of the transitions that happen at school. And I think that's part of the nature of Metro, too, is mm-hmm. things are fast-paced, things change, and they're able to adapt quickly. So as you think about coming in and having to put your own stamp on on this program, so for you, what did that mean? What, what was the primary thing that you were constantly, or you continued to think about as you look at long-term, um, as it relates both to the team, but also to the design program um, that you run um, with Metro and thinking about sustainability schools don't do this well naturally so that's the reason we're talking about it yeah so uh i think the program as a whole has already been successful and you need to look at it from that lens of mm-hmm. why change something that's already pretty successful but also things are changing i have different experiences mm-hmm. and backgrounds than what andy has had and so being able to apply what i've learned throughout my college and previous experiences and kind of connect that to what's already been there is critical yeah, absolutely. What about um, what about the challenges, Andy? So as you sort of think about um, the the opportunity that that is um, first, and you have some pretty intriguing philosophical ideas as it relates to first and lots of lots of teams that are out there first is all about the bot and how you perform your world championship team, but not because of your robot. Right. We, so the MetroBots four years in a row have gone to world championships and not one of those times has it been for a robot. I would like us to go for a robot. Absolutely. 
Uh, but but first, even even one of their tags taglines is it's it's more than just robots. But I think some teams definitely get lost in that and think that it is all about the robot. You have to go win. You have to build the best, but not that the students build the best, but they work with mentors that help them build the best. And while I think that is there's benefit, but I still think that our team, the way it's structured is that it's more student run, student led, it's mentor guided. We help them along the way. And I think Tyler has brought huge help to that uh, with his engineering background. And I see, I think I see a big picture side of it of the beginning to the end. And Tyler brings the more engineering side to help focus that. But our team is definitely more student-run, and it's their robot, their designs. We guide them. Where other teams, you'll go out and you'll compete with that have building in NASA, for example, or other you know professional engineers are doing most of the work. We don't want our team to be that way. I've never wanted our team to be that way since I started it, and I knew that going into this competition, when – and when you say competition, competing with the robots, we would always be at a slight disadvantage mm-hmm. because of that. That it's and first talks really or talks a lot about students working alongside engineers. But there are some teams that it is students working alongside engineers where they've actually designed and built the robot. They're only allowed to go drive it. And I don't want I don't think we want our team to be that way. And so the ch- a challenge is definitely that it's it's getting those mentors to be able to also from their side of things not go in and do all the work and not build the robot for the kids we've had over the last couple of years some i would say conflict of interest between mentors and students and some mentors want this and some students want that so i think but we haven't given up on our core value of saying that it is students first um and so that's definitely been one of the challenges we've had and we'll continue to have and I think giving them that freedom too allows them, um, they really take their own, they take, they're invested in it. I mean, it's, they take ownership of it. Like uh, we have our kickoff this Saturday and the students are already talking on our communication channel Slack on that the day after on Sunday, they're actually getting together at one of their houses to work on a first CAD for the robot. No mentors are going to be there. They're just doing it themselves. We don't meet on Sundays. And so they're going to come in on Monday with a plan saying, hey, this is what we made. What do you guys think of it? And looking more for that feedback from mentors, not direct input of a mentor saying, this is how you're going to do things. And I think that's one of the things that I love so much about the robotics program. So I've had the privilege... I guess is the way I look at it now. From the team perspective, who might get really tired of Dr. Corbin constantly being around over the years, but it has truly been my privilege over the years to watch. And one of the reasons that Past Foundation, we when we start with new schools, new programs all over the country, around the world, we almost always talk about FIRST and we talk about robotics. And one of the reasons I feel so strongly about it is because I've watched this program take all kinds of kids with all kinds of backgrounds, experiences, philosophies, personalities, good, bad, and the ugly, and teach them how to be a team, how to think independently. So the fact that, you know, you've got kids that are, that does not surprise me, that they're willing to take it upon themselves because I think the program architecture itself lends to that. But I think the dynamic of the coaching, the team, the ownership of an individual team, as opposed to the the broader ethos is what's really instilled that. Um, So how, how do you make sure that that continues when this crop of seniors that you talked about, Tyler, 
you know, you, you start over every year to some extent. So how do you keep that aspect alive? Yeah, so there's definitely challenges with that. Um, the biggest thing and that one thing that first is good about is that first inspiration. You never know what kid's going to really catch that spark and they're going to be all in on the forums and everything looking up, you know, games from mm-hmm. 20 years ago because, <laughs> because they're just that invested in it. And I think, again, it always comes back to the students. I think all of our success for the most part and what I see is we have individuals that are really inspired to do a lot and they see those problems and they take other freshmen under their wings mm-hmm. to really turn them into the future leaders themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think to that, one thing that I've over the last couple of years have kind of found is maybe more important in our coaching is coaching the soft skills right. than the engineering because we can get the engineering skills whether it's during build season or a preseason thing but what i've seen over the years is when we have maybe fluctuated with the number of mentors we have but we've always had a large almost always had a large number of students mm-hmm. it's how those students interact with each other and how they're able to their peers they're working with their peers right that's how how are they able to manage in a way their peers and so as an engineering project manager knowing that you've got your best friend who didn't complete a task that was due yesterday how do you handle that Mm -hmm. and so that's our job now is kind of coaching them through that but at the same time they have that passion for it they want to do it and so it it is easier in a way but it's still that's a challenge is that we have to coach them through that aspect of it and i think in the end our students will be so much more successful because of us working with those challenges than just the engineering challenges. And I think with in terms of succession, there a lot of the things that we talk about and that we do aren't things that can be written down. Right. It's a big ex- yeah. experience type thing. Yeah, um, and that, I think that's the yeah. hardest thing to handle. You know, we're fortunate too that, you know, Andy used to teach design and everything, right. but I'm doing it now, but he's, you know, a hundred yards away from my desk at all times. Mm-hmm. So if I have a question, I can always find him and bug him. Right. Well, and also just go, Hey, I need some help. Let's exactly. do this thing together exactly. or whatever. And yeah. so that, that collaborative, um, opportunity that comes from the innovation lab piece tied to all that makes a big difference. Let's talk a little bit about as the program that originated was growing, and, and I want to step back away from Metro and really sort of look at the community at large, um, because Ohio and many of our surrounding states in this part of the country, we have a tremendous number of these FRC teams, um, and we have growing numbers of the other components of FIRST, whether it be FTC, um, First Tech Challenge, or FLL, the First Lego League, and so on. And so we, we have this crop, this this um, this underswell, I guess, if you will, of these programs coming and more and more kids getting involved a lot earlier. And so uh, through part of the community work then, Andy, early on, something called Corey was developed locally and regional. So tell us about that and why it's important as it relates to growing these sort of strong ecosystems. So Corey started, I think, about 10 years ago also, once around the same time that we started the MetroBots. Mm-hmm. And the original idea was that it was a resource for teams, for mentorship, uh, a place for coaches to get together and talk about what was happening. At the same time, we had funding for rookie teams. So it was really that that resource to help get teams started, keeping them going, the sustainability side of it. Over the years, it has is, is evolved a little bit to now where it is here at PASS, the Center of Robotics Innovation. Um, but it, it still has that that resource at its core, where we're we're working to with some of uh, past partners to bring in more mentors. Uh, we've actually started to get to the point where we have other teams working in house. We have three other teams that work in our building, 
the longer term thing is that Corey is there to help those teams, like you said, get started to be sustainable. But we now have more of that resource available. So it created an ecosystem out mm-hmm. of all these sort of disparate parts and yes. sort of pulled it all under Absolutely. a singular umbrella. So regionally, the impact of students going through these programs could be better managed, better felt, you know, have, have greater influence um, and so on. So that has been a, a pretty amazing opportunity. And as Corey developed and took on more and more things for it to do, for example, um, off-season events mm-hmm. um, happened through Corey, the management and putting on of other pieces, FLL tournaments and so on. So Tyler, that provides, that ecosystem has built in a natural bridge for students on your team to actually engage not just with others but the volunteer piece and the design and development because that's one of the things that these kids as they've gotten better and better through their robotics from they're actually actively engaged in what happens at an off-season event and how it's laid out and so talk about that experience a little bit because it's part of the the core of first is you have to volunteer you have to lead you have to teach you have to so how does that translate into these opportunities that have been created yeah so with only being on the team for a little over a year um i think what happened with it is since andy's really made it a student-oriented effort where we're kind of passing things on what we know the students are doing the same thing where they take ownership of these community events they have knowledge they want to pass it on it's not we're using this knowledge to better ourselves we're using this knowledge to better the community itself as well and going to those events as well it's really interesting to see how the students interact with them and they're Mm -hmm. really they 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 give it their all always um, because they know they have resources and knowledge that others want and that they can inspire them as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty awesome, actually, as it relates to the way the kids truly, truly invest. I mean, they're long days. Ro- ro- you know, uh, y- when, when folks talk about robotics teams, I think there's a there's this disconnect between, well, that's just the geeky or the nerdy kids. Right. And it's not. All in, it's not large, long hours, it's not physically straining, it's not, you know, and so, and there's, to some extent, some aspects of that are true, but the reality of it from a team perspective, it's a tremendous amount of time and effort, and you, they have to fundraise, it's just like any other team sport or event. It is, and I, to that, I, I have I have buddies that actually give me a hard time about being a robotics coach. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're the nerdy teacher that's going to be the robotics coach, and they... <laughs> You know, give me a hard time all the time. But in the end, I'm like, that might be the case. But you really, like you said, you don't know how hard these kids are working, what effort, what time they're putting in to come in and help us either set up for a Corey Lego tournament or the Corey offseason FRC event or kickoff that we're having this this Saturday, that they are involved and engaged as much as I am, Mm -hmm. in some cases more. Like we've had to actually kick them out of the building. I was say, I, I, I have, yes. you know, midnight many a time had to send a text. Are yeah. you guys going home? <laughs> yeah, no, they, and, and in the end, I'm like, yeah, you guys, you can give us a hard time. But I, I know that what these kids are getting out of this is tremendous. And it will be, they will be so much more successful, whether they're an engineer or not. And mm-hmm. I think that's the beauty of it, too, is like I said in, in my class, I was just teaching that I could care less if you're going to be an engineer. But this type of activity, this type of thinking will pay off in any career, any job that you take in the future. 
And I, I think that uh, Dean Camo first always calls it the sport of the mind. Yeah, and absolutely. it gives the kids um, those, you know, they're not athletes for the most part that we get, but it gives them that sense of teamwork and leadership mm-hmm. and responsibility that they can't get from a sports team because they're not athletic enough for mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And it's the same qualities that that we try to give. Yeah, and there are other robotics competitions out there that give kids similar experiences to what first has. Uh, but if we're talking about first, I think that the way first does it, it's the sport for the mind. Mm-hmm. It definitely makes you feel that you're a part of a team um, that you have to compete and work hard against and with your your opponent where some others are. OK, you go out and do your mission. You do your component, which is still a great thing still design it's still that collaboration but it's not in that same way where like we were saying if if kids aren't as 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 athletic they don't necessarily get that team spirit type of thing if they're you know if they're sitting there programming something but now they're on first they still get that they get that component and it's it's awesome to see it. It, it, it is awesome. Again, you know, I, I have the, the benefit of being able to sit back and watch all these years, right? And I, I get that makes me incredibly spoiled in a sense because the, the kids have been amazing. And quite frankly, I would take the kids that participate in robotics programs generally. You know, Andy, you made reference that there are other programs that are out there, whether they be BEST or um, MATE, which is the underwater version. There's there's drone competition starting to, to really sort of escalate and so there there's opportunities for students in this space i would take our kids quite frankly um, and put them up against any sets of designers or product developers or problem solvers out there because they're limitless that i think that's part of the awing component of what can happen in these types of inclusive environments oh yeah and i I think a lot of what they get is beyond what they get within a college degree program as well you know i graduated with uh, i graduated (laughs) with an engineering degree and my capstone was a robotics thing we made a robotic football team Mm -hmm. and the design we had was minimal it would get smoked by anything these kids are coming up with yeah yeah that is awesome that is an awesome thing to be able to reflect on right So one of the other things that I think that broadly both robotics programs in general, but specifically your program has done, and again, by design, but I think, you know, definitely something that I want to talk a little bit about is changing the dynamic of who's participating. So there's been a tremendous push, especially in the last three years, um, nationally and globally, to be more inclusive within STEM fields, Mm -hmm. more women, Mm -hmm. more people of color, a greater diversity of skill set, talent, and experience. So talk a little bit about the effort that you guys have made to change the dynamic of this team. Well, I can speak of that a little bit is that uh, last year, 2017, Corey passed, received a STEM equity grant uh, from FIRST. And as part of that, we were starting, the whole thing was to start 21 uh, first robotics teams, whether it was FLL Junior or all the way up to FRC. In the end, we started uh, 14 teams, uh, so we were able to give additional support to the teams uh, from the original 21. Sorry. It was a huge increase, and it was all around uh, girls in STEM, so we were girls who lead robotics. Um, and so these 14 teams had to be predominantly yes, female. 50, 50, more than 50% had to be female. In the end, the Metrobots came along and all the FLL teams and even the the two FRC teams 
they supported as best they could. They would go out either having the teams come here to past or uh, going to their locations to help uh, mentor. Um, and it's been huge. And I know that one of the things that our team is winning the engineering inspiration and, and winning chairmans has been because of those types. Some of it is because of those types of outreach events where whether we're going to a library and, and going out into the community where and the kids haven't had this kind of experience, but we're going to meet them where they are and being able to give that to them. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the magic sauce is to get uh, more inclusion or anything, but somehow like our team is actually predominantly women yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of it comes from having good role models. You know, most of our management team and our seniors are are girls, uh-huh. um, and they're not only leaders on the team but leaders in their school right, too. Right. Uh, and so having just someone to look up to, even if it is a freshman looking up to a senior, is beneficial. But I think the program itself um, fosters that as long as the environment in which the program sits also fosters that. Mm-hmm. I do want to caution that because, mm-hmm. you know, it takes more than just the uh, foundational or structural pieces to say that we want to be inclusive for it to truly, truly happen, right? So there are still a lot of FRC teams. You know, when we go to the competitions, I see them that, yep. you know, there, there might be a girl and you get the impression that she's the token female on the team, right? But that is not the case um, with the way that you have structured. And I think personally, again, outside looking in, watching you guys over the years, I think a huge piece of it is the fact that when young girls, freshmen join the team, A, there's a, a big push to get more uh, girls and minorities of all descriptions onto the team and to be inclusive and be welcome. But that because that's a safe environment, even as a freshman, they have the opportunity to grow those skills as a senior to truly be leaders. And I will I will say your girls are fierce. A few of them in particular. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, we have a, a couple seniors right now that uh, I know we will miss them tremendously, yep. <laughs> yep. knowing it's going to be a huge hole when they leave. But we're looking at them to see, okay, now how can you train back exactly. to exactly. The, the underclassmen? And they're taking it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they know. In fact, we had a, a conversation with them uh, right before we went on break and said, okay, kickoff's happening. This is your last kickoff. How can you help us for next year? Mm-hmm. And so they're looking at, at who you know and, and how mm-hmm. they can help train up uh, the next crew and they they recognize too that what got them hooked was some other upperclassmen taking them under their wing and so they've done that with some of the other freshmen and freshman girls Uh as well Uh um and so everyone has a role to play no matter how small it is and once they find that role they they kind of get the first bug and then they're into it yeah but but again you know personality and and environment i think does feed an awful lot into it no question whatsoever three of your very fierce girls that i know you're going to be missing um next year I have publicly said that if the three of you decide to start a company together, come see me. I'm investing right now because there's no way the three of you will fail. (laughs) Um, So, you know, like pretty wickedly fierce. Um, Let's talk a little bit about um, your advice, your recommendations. So I'm a school, a small school, you know, very rural in the middle of nowhere. There's there's none of these teams close by. Yet we have a culture because rural, in particular, um, rural education of traveling great distances to participate in stuff. So as a culture, a lot of rural schools, quite frankly, are very willing, able to to go places to do stuff with kids, especially in team formats. But, you know, launching an FRC team, especially in a rural community, can feel a bit daunting. So what what's your 
your best recommendations for for schools, whether they be rural or otherwise, but just really thinking about, hey, we want to do this too. We, we want to, and we don't want it to end up, and Andy, you and I have this conversation all the time, is we don't want this to be another fad that we take on at our school, like maker spaces is the one that always comes to mind, right? Great intentions, a fabulous teacher that's running that, and the teacher leaves, and now the thing or the club sits, and it's you know, tons of money because there was no plan to incorporate it into the fabric of my community and my school. So with that piece in mind, what's your advice to places that are saying, yeah, I want to take the plunge? Well, I think that the getting the, getting the parents and getting the teachers engaged uh, or the rest and the rest of your school community engaged is, is a huge help. I think the one thing that that some teams or, or teachers forget is that the community around them, will help support them. Like, for example, that your your first sec, first or second year grants and funding will be relatively easy. First is expensive, mm-hmm. but there are grants. There are ways to get and fund your team going. It's the third, fourth year, and then by the time you're a fifth and sixth year team, as long as things are going well, you should be in that kind of sustaining mode. But don't forget that the community is out there. And so, for example, if you are, I was talking with a, a school that was, it's not for first specific, but it's up on Lake Erie. Uh, not an area that has a lot of industry or anything like that. But if I was saying you're un- starting an underwater robotics team, talk to the marinas, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Go out and say, you can build an ROV that will now go and inspect boats. And those companies, those communities will be able to sponsor you. Um, if you are living in more rural areas, that you can find bigger farms that mm-hmm. you're now going to develop a drone that will go help them monitor right. their crops. So you, as the team, and the knowing that, yes, you're building an FRC robot or you're building a mate underwater robot, it, it doesn't matter. It's just it's what what you can pull out of that that you can give back to the community and then the way the community can support you. And it's. Once you have buy-in from your, your staff, your school, your community, your parents, get the parent organization started, it actually is a lot easier, I will say, than trying to do it completely on your own. And yeah, and so I'm actually from a pretty rural area mm-hmm. myself, um, mm-hmm. and I know the biggest thing that drives anyone is just passion towards something. You know, there, a lot of times there's not a whole lot to do. You go to the football games on Friday night, <laughs> um, but finding either an individual or a group that's really passionate about that can really help drive it. So if you get, it only really takes one staff member, you know, uh, Metro had Andy do it um, Mm -hmm. back in 2010. If you get one staff member that's really wanting to do it, they can gather a couple of their students as well. And those students can be that driving force. Yeah, absolutely. And I think though that even we've seen in Columbus that there are teachers that want to be engaged and want to do it. And they sometimes feel that they have to do it all by themselves, mm-hmm. but you don't. You have right. to bring in that community, whether it's parents who may be engineers or scientists or have a, just a tinkering background, but bring them in. And that will help take some of the burden off of the teacher because they can feel stressed out after one year. You know, I'm not doing this again, mm-hmm. but you have to bring in the support staff and you, and you bring that and everybody moves forward. And we've had, we've had struggling times here where I was the only mentor on mm-hmm. the team. And mm-hmm. I knew that if I didn't have support next year, I wouldn't do it again. But I had parents that would come in or I had college students that, you know, Metro students who graduated are now over at OSU who've come back and, okay, Dr. B, I'll help you out. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're helping. Um, and you just keep that community going and it helps. It's yeah, pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. What about if I had to do it again, 
I'd do it differently sort of things. That's because it's one of the things that folks contemplating doing this really want to know. So, so Tyler, you stepped into something that was already up and moving, but in the time that you've spent with the team, I mean, what is the, is there, is there a moment, an event, a thought, a thing that you said, you know what, if I had to do it differently, these are some of the things that I, I, as, as a, as a new teacher in this space, what I would do differently or an advantage or something that you see an opportunity that you haven't really tapped into. Is there something that just really comes to mind? Not off the top of my head. I'll have to think about it a little bit. Um, one thing I know, cause last year I was, you know, fake until you make it was my mantra through the whole year. Fake it was, until you make it. Yep. Because, uh, you know, there's, there's such a steep learning curve. Not because, you know, I have an engineering background, right. but I don't have a first robotics background where knowing which motor do I want to pick. There's seven to choose deal. from. And it's mm-hmm. it's pretty tough to learn from in that regard. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll think about that one. Okay. I don't know if you have anything. Yeah, yeah I do. I do. I, I know that. <laughs> I know that if, if the students are listening, they're going to jump on my case for this. Because one of the things I say is if you don't document, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. Really, Dr. Yeah, B? If you don't document, it didn't happen. For and our so, listeners, I'm giving a hard yes, time because so, Dr. B is the last one to turn his reports in um, sometimes. He's getting better. I'm getting better. <laughs> but I would say that I would have liked for my own self to have done a better job mm-hmm. of keeping track of some of the things that that I did my first year, second year. I have a, obviously a, a mental image of what I did, but it's not the same mm-hmm. because you, you go back, oh, what did I do at this time of su- such and such season? And I, I don't have a good record of it, but I would go back and that was one thing that I is one definitely one thing I would do better because there's little gaps or the organization or, you know, when just little things like that. And I know that it would, it would make it easier to know that there's a pothole here go around it because I've documented it from before. That was a pitfall. That was something that the team struggled with. And I would be able to not completely avoid it, but I'd be able to navigate it maybe a little bit better because it's a new team every year. It's a new challenge every year. Things like that happen. But being able to be a little more uh, right, let's not go down that path Mm -hmm. type of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the team is, um, or the program, um, really put it into that perspective. So that program is to the point that as it morphs and shifts, because it's going to, everything everything is changing so fast in our world today. Um, is, it, um, is it sustainable? Has the, you've built the internal capacity, obviously through your mentoring and you're your growing your team and you feel confident that the program um, out, out, outlasts even the two of you? I think so. I mean, uh, and again, I, I keep bringing back the students, but there's an expectation even at the middle school of some kids mm-hmm. that I want to be a Metrobot yeah. when I get older. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we know we've got that we've got them hooked. And I think having first having the full from FLL junior all the mm-hmm. way up, the kids are starting at a young age and they're looking for that next step. And so as long as we can keep supporting those early steps, we'll still have that pipeline. What do you need, you know, as sort of the parting shot, um, you know, High in the sky. If 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 you could have something, and, and granted, we're gonna we're gonna assume funding is always the thing that that um, you know um, um, schools, communities, active clubs, and programs are always looking for funding. Set funding aside. What's the other thing? One thing that would be incredibly meaningful, make a difference. That if someone were to show up tomorrow and say, "Hey, we heard you on Learning Unboxed say you need this. What is the this?" 
I'm thinking industry mentors would that's, probably be a big exactly. one. Uh, we've had a couple of people that found us somehow online saying, hey, we saw your team that's won some awards, but not for robot. How can we help? And it was a fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the, wow. the two mentors that we had are great, but you know, you can never have too many of them as well just to give different experiences. Yeah, they would, all have different backgrounds. I would agree. Exactly. That's having mentors come in and be able to give their experiences. But Kyler, you made a point though that engineering and first yes it is engineering but true engineering background and being able to engineer or design in first are different things one of the things that i think we're facing is that we get mentors in we kind of have to coach them on how first works because you what we're trying to build in a six-week time period i've had mentors that come in excuse me you're doing what in how long and they freak out and they don't come back Mm-hmm. So getting those mentors, and maybe that's something that Corey we need to, mm-hmm. to do is, mm-hmm. is a better job of, of mentoring mentors to be able to come in and step into a FIRST program and have a better set of expectations of knowing where the kids are, what they need to be able to do, and what that outcome is at six weeks, right? Because if we're constantly coaching our mentors to be better mentors, then we're starting over every year. right? And so I would say... Having solid mentors that understand where these kids are coming from and what it is that they're trying to do in such a short time frame, that would be huge. And not just engineers, right? I mean, I think that's the thing. We need folks to understand that the beauty of this program is not only does it work for any kid, any kid's interest, but the same for men. You need mentors of all descriptions, right? That's, I think, one of the biggest gaps right now is we don't have a many mentors that are on the business administration side. Mm-hmm. So whether it's helping with the fundraising or, or the, the, the finances or even marketing the marketing and the graphic design. Yeah. So we have some here at pass that will help at times with that. And that's fantastic, but it's, we need more than that and being able to go out and whether it's shooting a video of the team for our reveal or the robot reveal mm-hmm. or things like that. It's, they're looking at me like, is this good, Dr. B? I'm like, looks good, but what do I know? I mean, I'm not in photography. I'm not, so I do my best. But You're, you're a geologist by training, Dr. B, so right? Not even an engineer. Even an yeah, engineer. you were willing. Yep. willing. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you both uh, for taking time out of your very busy days. The semester starts uh, tomorrow, so lots lots going on. And, um, you know, big uh, kickoff um, on Saturday, uh, which is a rocking event. Uh, for our listeners, we'll be providing documentation um, at the website um, about the different FIRST programs and information about um, this particular team um, and the ability to reach out to um, Andy and Tyler and ask questions if you're thinking about bringing robotics um, um, programs into part of the mainstream of what you do in your school and in your community, we certainly encourage you to do so. So I thank you both very much for joining us today. Thanks thank for you. having Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.